why do you worship on Sunday? Now, I want to ask you, do you have a good answer for that question? Well, you say, yeah, that's just the way we've always done it. It's obvious. The church worships on Sunday. And then you go to the fourth commandment, and clearly it says the Sabbath day is the day of worship, which is the seventh day, which is Saturday, and not Sunday. Well, what do we do with that? Do we go back to the Old Testament and worship on Saturday, or are there good reasons for why the church today worships on Sunday? Stay tuned with us tonight on Sinners and Saints as we try to answer that question as we continue on in our exposition of the law and we take on the fourth commandment. In an age of moral bankruptcy, political sleaze, theological confusion, and aimless religion in a mindless church, we're addressing the need for a Bible-based, intellectually rigorous, 21st century Christian faith. This is Sinners and Saints. Theology with an Edge. Welcome to Sinners and Saints tonight. We are continuing on our discussion on the law. We're going to deal with the fourth commandment this evening as we continue on this series. As usual, joining us for the discussion is Reverend Adam Kalushin from Ontario United Reformed Church and Reverend Moses Janbazian from Pasadena URC. And I'm John Sautel, pastor of All Saints Reformed Church out in Walnut, California. And we're going to talk about the fourth commandment. Before we do, why don't we take a moment here to read uh, from the law. And the fourth commandment says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And there you have it. That's the fourth commandment. And, and obviously... The commandment requires that the resting from our servile labors and the worship of God take place on the seventh day, which is Saturday. So what in the world are we doing as Christians worshiping on Sunday? How do we understand this commandment? Maybe we should just walk through that first of all. How do we understand this commandment in its context? Well, within its context, it is giving the Jews a law. It is giving them a particular understanding of how they are to form their weeks because every moment of their lives is to be governed by God because they are his covenant people and thereby belong to him. In fact, it is the fact that they've been purchased out of slavery of Egypt, but now they belong to God and therefore they are going to live as he commands them. So not only are they told whom they are to worship and how they are to worship, but when they are to worship as well. And so God gives to them this commandment and bases their worship on the reality of the fact that they are also his laborers. And so they must labor, and then they are to take a day of rest in which they contemplate the wonders of what God has done for them and glorify his name by worshiping in the temple through the sacrifices. Yeah, I think what we're trying to do is, first of all, you know, show everybody what this commandment meant to the Jews in its original context. And clearly one of the things that the Sabbath meant uh, for the Jews was on that seventh day, they would come together for the holy convocation. I'll read you from Leviticus 23, beginning at verse 3, regarding the Sabbath. It says, Six days your work shall be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. 
And then it goes on in Leviticus to explain the feasts of the Lord and what they were actually to do when they gathered together that holy convocation on the Sabbath. So one of the things that it meant for the, the Jews of the Old Testament to obey the Sabbath was that that was the day, Saturday, the seventh day, that they were to come together, officially gathered as God's people, to worship him. Okay, but it's, it's, it's very important at least, and, and we're probably not going to spend a lot of time on this till next show, but at least point out also, this day was a day given, in a sense, out of the mercy and kindness of God to an alien people who were once servants and slaves to give them a day of rest. And God even ties uh, his own resting on the seventh day to Israel's resting on the seventh day, where it says in Exodus 31, 17, it says, In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, uh, and the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. God was, in his kindness, giving a day to these slaves to take a break from their own servile labors. And, and the, 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 the benefit of having the day of rest was the day then would be able to be set apart for worshiping God. And it is very clear that for the Jews, in the original context here, it meant that there was no work to be done on the Sabbath day. It was a very strict prohibition uh, against labor. So we have this idea that that stated assembly would come together on that day and that that day would be set apart where no labor uh, would be done by the Jewish people. Now we need to consider why this would be the case. Is it simply that God is demanding the cessation of labor or is there more to it? And we've already seen that he says it is in order that you be refreshed. But what is this refreshment for? What is it that God wants them to see in all this? And it is that they are to understand that they now belong to a new master, and so they have to follow his schedule. But it's also for them to enjoy the creation and the creator himself particularly. And so in this one day, it is where there are specific sacrifices now given that they are to perform. It is a way of structuring their week with the realization that they have been redeemed, that they are no longer belonging to themselves, but belonging to God. Hey, when we come back after the break, we're going to begin to unfold uh, this fourth commandment in light of the whole Old Testament and show you what was uh, the function and the purpose of this holy day unto the Lord. Stay tuned with us on Sinners and Saints. This is Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. Are you looking for a church that values the Word of God and the rediscovery of its riches in the Protestant Reformation? Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Kalustian. I want to invite you to join us at the Ontario United Reformed Church. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Take the Euclid Avenue exit off the 60 freeway, go north one block to Philadelphia Street, turn right, and you'll see us. That's the Ontario United Reformed Church, 866-99-UNITED. There is no greater joy in the Christian's life than to worship God according to his word, and there is nowhere better in the San Gabriel Valley to do this than at the Pasadena United Reformed Church. So come join us this Sunday at 9 a.m. and at 6 p.m. at 226 West Colorado Boulevard in Arcadia. You can call us at 866-99-UNITED or look us up on the web at sinnersaint.org. Hey, thanks for coming back after the break. As promised, we're going to take on here on Sinners and Saints as we're looking into the fourth commandment, its meaning, how is it applied to the whole issue of Sunday worship. We started by going back to the Old Covenant and just showing you some some uh, preliminary basics about this command. Number one, that uh, the point of the law, or at least part of the fourth commandment, was a prohibition on labor out of God's goodness and kindness to his uh, new slave people that they get to take a day off once 
uh, every seven days and rest from their servile works. So it's kindness. But the second thing that the Lord did, as a part of this resting, they weren't to just sit idly and do nothing, but it was also a command to gather in holy convocations to worship the Lord. Now we want to give you a third thing that this Sabbath commandment meant to the uh, Old Covenant people of God. I want to read you from Exodus 31, beginning at verse 13. The Lord says, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath, my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you and throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you, and everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, the person shall be cut off from among his people. Now, I want you to think about this. The Lord is saying, listen, the reason why I have you strictly uh, restraining yourself from work on the Sabbath day is because that's a picture of something. It's a picture of the fact that I am the one who created you and you are accountable to me, and I am the one who redeemed you, and therefore you are to rest from all of your sinful works and to pursue the righteousness of God. So when, when you, on the Sabbath day, and really every day in your life, think about how you don't work at all on that one day, you are to remember, oh, I see, I am also to rest every day of my life at every moment from all of my sinful works out of gratitude to the God who redeemed me. I want you to notice something else about this passage. It's very important, and that is the, the sacramental language even used here in the law. Verse 13 says, uh, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it shall be a sign. There's the sacramental language. It's like the, the bread and the wine are signs in the Lord's Supper, the sacrament uh, of nourishment for the church. By feeding on those signs, we're nourished by Christ. By, by uh, sacramentally taking these elements, we're participating in Christ. The same thing is true here with, with Old Covenant Israel. By, by virtue of resting, they are participating in the sanctification or, the, or the, really the redemption or salvation that God would provide. Very important language here. Okay, so basically so far we got four things that this commandment meant to the Jews. First of all, it meant that they didn't work. They had a very strict um, restriction on the labor that they could do on the Lord's Day. Second, it meant this commandment to obey it meant to gather together publicly as God's people for the holy convocation of the Old Testament. Third, it means that it's a, a pointer, a picture of resting from, our own, from their own sinful works and growing in their sanctification. And fourth, it's a sacrament. Part, obeying the Sabbath involves them. It's a sacrament of receiving the redemption that God has worked for them as the Israelite people. Right. Now, let me give you one more to add on top of that, which is probably the climax or the pinnacle of all that's bound up with this fourth commandment. And that is the, the idea that the fourth commandment is a picture, not only of those other things or requirement of those other things, but it is a picture, finally, of the climactic, eternal, consummate salvation provided by God for his people. And one of the passages which really draws out this understanding of the commandment is Hebrews chapter 4. Particularly, you can go to verse 9, where the preacher there says, There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. There remains a Sabbath for the people of God. Packed into this phrase, we're going to have to do some work to unfold the riches of this statement. But, but in broad strokes, what the preacher is saying here 
is that the Sabbath was a picture of what lies before us when we die and when Christ comes again, when we finally receive the fullness of our salvation. The Sabbath is pointing to the eternal rest and salvation we have in Jesus Christ. That's right. When and the Jews would have seen the same thing, is our point. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, meaning that we see that at the end of our lives, we will enter into the glorification. The Jews under the Old Covenant certainly knew this also. When they heard the Sabbath commandment, they saw that it was pointing forward for them to the glorification of all things. Okay, so just to clarify, let me reset uh, some things here for you, and we'll go on to point out one more uh, thing, which the Sabbath uh, means in terms of the fullness of God's revelation. First of all, it meant no work. Second of all, it meant that it was a day to gather for worship. Third, it was to be a sign of sanctification. By rest, they participated in the redemption that God would provide. It was sacramental. It was finally a type of heaven. That's the fifth thing we just covered, is that the Sabbath was pointing forward to a future eternal rest. Now, there's one more thing tucked into the, the typological meaning of the Sabbath, and that is that Israel was expecting God to come and do work to bring them into that glorification. And I get this from Hebrews 4.10. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Verse 10. For Christ who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his redemptive works as God rested from his creative works. Here's the point. That when Israel received the command of the Sabbath, they knew that it was not only instructing them in the ways that we've told you and pointing forward to the things that we've told you, including the glorification, but they knew that it really was a prophecy of Christ who was coming to do his redemptive work to bring them into the glorification that was also pictured to them in the Sabbath. So they were looking, for, when they received the Sabbath command, they were looking forward to someone who would come and do work to redeem them, that is, God himself. Okay. This is a huge pill to swallow in one segment, but when you talk about the Sabbath commandment, you have to talk about a lot of things. I think one of the things this should show us is that this is an extremely complicated commandment, and it doesn't allow for some simplistic, literalistic sort of cookie-cutter application from then to now. There's, there are several strands operating at once within this command. You have to be aware of them and sensitive to them, and then watch how the New Testament writers pick up those threads and then apply them in the New Testament. When we come back after the break, our challenge is going to be now to take this theology, this typological dimension of the Sabbath, and show you how it relates to uh, worship on the first day of the week. So stay tuned with us on Sinners and Saints. Americans are known for their independence and self-reliance. We take little stock in other people's opinions. Americans want to examine and form our own conclusions about everything, and if something isn't to our liking, we'll fix it. These characteristics have served us well in casting off monarchies and taming the wild frontier. But are they really the best qualities for building Christ's church? At Grace Evangelical Church, we think one thing our culture doesn't need to reinvent are the tried and tested truths of Orthodox Christianity. We take delight in the faith of our fathers, in the biblical truths captured by the three forms of unity. We believe the truths of the Reformation gospel of justification by faith alone are the only solution for the multitude of problems that face America today. 
we invite you to come worship with us at Grace Evangelical Church. For more information, you may contact us at area code 310-782-7019. That's 310-782-7019. Okay, thanks for joining us tonight on Sinners and Saints. We're glad that you joined us uh, in our discussion here tonight of the Fourth Commandment. And we began this evening's uh, broadcast with the sort of the question is, why do you worship on Sunday? Uh, especially when it's so obvious, if you go back to the Fourth Commandment, that if you just apply it woodenly and literally, it means you worship on Saturday, which is the seventh day, which is the Sabbath day. Now, we all know that as Christians it's not proper and right to do that, but most of us don't understand exactly why. And so we sort of walk through a, a quick thumbnail sketch of the broader dimensions and elements of the Fourth Commandment. Now we have to apply that. How does that apply to this whole business of which day we observe as our day of worship? Well, yeah, it's not just that it's default for most of us, but we do have those groups out there, the Seventh-day Adventists and, of course, the Jews today, still saying that we must worship on Saturday. So this is very important that we have an, an argument for why we worship on the Lord's Day. Well, first of all, it's not a dispensationalist argument that, well, none of the Ten Commandments apply anymore. We've just rejected the whole thing. Rather, we have to have a Christian, a biblical argument, and that is that we have fulfillment. We are in a different redemptive historical era in that what were the types and the shadows have now been fulfilled. So rather than living under the burdens of the old system, we are now living in the age of fulfillment, and it is a great joy for us not to look forward to the coming of our rest, but the reality of our rest having arrived in Christ. Hey, that's why we spent so much time unfolding for you this typological element of the Old Testament, uh, of the Old Testament uh, law of the Sabbath is because it wasn't just a simple, oh, take one day and rest on it kind of a thing. It was a day that was packed full of symbolism and typology and rich, deep meaning, which could only be understood fully in light of the new covenant. Now, Paul takes all that symbolism and, and, and he, he shows us how that applied to the, to the Sabbath command and why we're no, and, and the fact that we're no longer to observe that uh, Sabbath day now is the day of our worship. You go to Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 16. He says, uh, let, So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, which are a shadow. See, he places not only food and drink and festivals and new moon uh, observances, but Sabbath days under the broad category of shadow. And says, don't you dare let anybody force you or bully you into the idea that keeping the fourth commandment means, as a New Testament Christian, that you have to worship on Saturday because the law strictly prescribed seventh-day worship. Yeah, another place Paul talks about this, Galatians 4, verse 9. Now after you have known God, or rather known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. That's talking about, you know, days. What, what day are they keeping? They're keeping the Sabbath, you see. And he says, I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. So Paul is being sensitive to the overturning of the typological elements of the Sabbath as the Jews received them and properly understood them. So now as Christians, we can't worship in the tabernacle or the temple. We can't offer sacrifices. We do not have the priesthood that are descended from Aaron, and we don't have the seventh-day Sabbath. They are all tied together. And now where there is a new priesthood, there must be a new law. There is now a new thing that we have been given, and that is the Lord's Day. And this replaces the Sabbath. Now, don't miss the logic here. The reason why we don't worship 
on the Sabbath, or rather the seventh day, is not simply because Jesus uh, arose on the first day of the week. That's this part of the, re the rationale for why we now worship on the first day. But, but the reason why is because the Sabbath and the seventh day worship was so bound up with shadows, types, symbolism, ceremonies, and so forth, that to go back to that is basically to reinstitute the whole Old Testament law system and sacrifices and, and diets and all the stuff which was shadowy and temporary. The Sabbath was looking forward to the work that Christ would do to bring to us the glorification. He did that work. He rested from that work. And therefore, to go back to keeping the seventh-day Sabbath is to fundamentally deny that Christ has done the redemptive work for us. Hey, it's to repudiate the blood atonement of Christ, plain and simple. To, to sit around worshiping on, Sabbath, on the seventh day as the Sabbath and insisting that and applying that and forcing people into worshiping on that day out of rigorous uh, obedience to the law is to deny and to repudiate the coming of Jesus Christ and shedding of blood and atonement for our sins. And this isn't just a modern argument. You see it already in the New Testament that they are gathering together on the first day of the week. Paul makes that clear that this was the typical day that the believers in Corinth would meet. And then also when John is writing Revelation, he speaks of the Lord's day. There's something new and unique that was not in the Old Testament is now defining the time in which they will gather together with the saints to worship. Okay, so let me just stop here and tighten this up. We asked the question, why do you worship on Sunday? Well, okay, because we're, tr we're, we're trying to honor the fact that Christ came. He did away with the symbolism of the ceremonies, uh, bound up uh, with the law, and, and so we no longer go back to the shadows in that sense. But we also worship on the first day because the apostles gave us this example by worshiping on the first day. What other reasons would we also worship on that first day for? Is there something bound up with it that, that makes it sensible to worship on that day? Well, of course, and the greatest is the resurrection of Christ is on that day. That was the day that he chose to come from the grave and to announce himself, to appear to his disciples and tell them, this is the day in which your redemption has been accomplished. And then the apostles, as they are now organizing the church that Jesus Christ had given them, they are now saying one day in seven is still the pattern from creation that God intends for us to take to, to worship. And so they choose for the sake of order this day, the day of the Lord's resurrection and the day that he showed himself to them. By the way, that means then that every Lord's Day is a celebration of Easter. You don't have to have like one day out of the year where you celebrate Easter. <laughs> no, the <laughs> fact that we're gathering together, we are celebrating the reality of You're the resurrection. Around. So what you have then is this wonderful thing that has been given to us. And so let's not go back to the old. Rather, let's celebrate what we know we have received already in Christ. Yeah, I want you to keep something in mind that, you know, we've always said that the apostles, for the sake of good order in the church, had to choose a day anyway. But it's not as if we were bound to one particular day. And if we didn't celebrate on that one day now anymore, then all of a sudden we would be sinful. I mean, Paul talks about this in Romans 14, 5. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each one be convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observe it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. The point there is, look, you know, the apostles in their wisdom selected a day for the sake of good order, because it was consistent with the thing of the resurrection. And we should not bind people to a particular day. The only reason we're bound to the Lord's Day worship today is because that's the day in which we come together as the people of God to worship. Hey, I hope you found these answers helpful in terms of answering the question, why do we worship on Sunday and not Saturday? Stay tuned with us next week as we continue to make practical applications of the fourth commandment. Thanks for joining us on Sinners and Saints.
Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's Word on Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. For more information, call 866-99-UNITED or log on to the web at urcsocal.org. That's 866-99-UNITED.